if you have your Bibles in the book of Mark, chapter 3, we're looking in verse number 7. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and from beyond Jordan and they about Tyre and Sidon. A great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. I want to stop reading right there. And I want to preach on this thought found in verse number 8. What great things he did. If you have a pen, you ought to underline that in your Bible. He's always doing great things. Say amen. He saved you well and he's doing great things. He's working night. You may think, Preacher Darren, he's not. I can't really tell he's doing anything. Honey, he's doing things, great things, and he's doing them well. Now, when we look in this, these verses, we see the rapid pace that we're becoming accustomed to in Mark's gospel. He uses that word and and straightway and immediately in a conjunction that's always denoting fast acceleration. Jesus is seldom staying put in one place for extended periods of time. It's always like Jesus is always on the move. Say thank God for that, amen. Jesus is on the move in my life. Jesus is on the move in the lives of others tonight. He's always ministering to different people with varied needs all over different places. And Jesus, in these first six verses of the chapter, we preached that last, uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, about how Jesus, uh, he uh, got involved with some opposition in a synagogue. Some people had encountered him and they were negative to Jesus healing a man that had a, um, a withered hand on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees were quite upset. In fact, verse 6 said they wanted to destroy Jesus. Now, while some people hated Jesus, there's others who desire to be around Jesus. Amen. I desire to be near him. Now, there's some people that wanted rid of Jesus and others wished that Jesus would never depart from them. There are some people that feel threatened by the presence of Jesus and there's some of us that receive great comfort from the Lord Jesus Christ. I see three things tonight from the passage. Number one, we see the popularity of Jesus. Look in verse seven, but Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. So there's a challenge here. After healing the man with the withered hand in the Sabbath on the synagogue and the Pharisees are looking to destroy him, the Bible says Jesus withdrew himself. You may say, no, that's not my Savior. He's not backing up for anybody. He's not intimidated. He's not afraid, and you'd be right. But he also knows this. It's not his time yet to die. Uh, the, there's some years that need to pass by. He's not trying to provoke more angst from the Pharisees like some of us do. You understand that the Pharisees can't take his life anyway. John 10, 18 says that Jesus has power to lay his life down, thank God, and he has power to take his life back up again. Amen. So their hatred for Jesus caused Jesus to start ministering in more remote and secluded areas. So Jesus, he's turned aside. He's departed where the Pharisees are and he's gone back towards the seashore. Now, let me say this. 
Do not let your hearts grow hard like the Pharisees so that Jesus withdraws himself from you. You may think, well, I don't think Jesus ought to be withdrawing here. Honey, he withdraws from people many times who have said no to him or who are disobedient, he'll back up from them. I do not want the Lord backing up from me. I don't want him withdrawing himself, separating himself from me. I want to be close to him. I want to be near to him. The Bible also says that Jesus not only withdrew himself, but he was with his disciples. These boys are in training. These boys are learning. Are you a follower, a disciple of Jesus? And they're going to learn that the ministry is not always smooth sailing. There's adversity. There are uh, seasons of difficulty along the way. And they're going to face this adversity personally, individually, firsthand. And as they're seeing Jesus face it, they're with him. Uh, now, let me say this about the crowds. Look with me. Look with me in verse 7. There's a great multitude from Galilee that's following him. As he withdraws himself, a great multitude follows him as he heads back out to the sea. Now in Galilee, Josephus in the antiquity said, there are 20,000 cities that have, or villages, that have populations of, or 200 cities that have populations of 15,000 or more. There are millions of people that live in Galilee and no doubt there's huge crowds from Galilee following him. But keep reading your Bible. Not only a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. Look in verse 8. And from Jerusalem. And from Idumea. And from beyond Jordan. And they about Tyre and Sidon. That's that's the coastal areas, okay? That's six areas, six regions, number of men, that's following Jesus. May I say it like this? They're coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They're coming from all points. They're coming from distances of over 100 miles just to be around Jesus that they might touch him, that they might have healing. Nobody, I don't believe, has ever come close to the popularity that Jesus had. I don't care, you may say it's some rock group. And the popularity that they had. Let me tell you that at this point in time, no prophet, no rabbi, no other individual had ever seen such popularity as Jesus did. Not a hero, not a philosopher. You say, Preacher Darren, well, what about the Beatles? What about Elvis? Well, what about them? I'm telling you, Jesus was more popular than any of them. And the Bible says, not only speaking about the crowds, but the Bible says, look at the end of verse 8, when they had heard what great things he did, they came unto him. What happened? When they heard what he was doing. He's healing people. He's helping people. Uh, people are being changed. People are, people are being encouraged. And you know what they do? They're flocking to him from all distances and all vantage points to come and lay hands upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So they want to be part of his miracle working. So they're very curious what things are happening. Notice number one, the popularity of Jesus. He's had to withdraw himself back out to the sea. He cannot minister in the home anymore. He cannot minister in the local synagogue. 
What about that? There's too many people, too many demands. The synagogues and the homes can't house it anymore. He's got to be out in open areas. That's how popular that is. Would to God it be like that today. Amen. As we look around and how sparsely churches are now being attended and being filled with so-called believers. It's interesting how we ought to be following Jesus more faithfully now than ever before. Is Jesus still popular to you? Number two, I want us to see the preparation of Jesus found in verse 9. The scripture says, And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. So he gives tactical directions to his disciples. He says, fellas, I want you to prepare a small boat so that if the people were thronging, if the people were crowding, if the people were ready to crush, understand what's happening. As there are millions of people that are gathering, they're pushing from the back to get to the front that they might touch him. If the healing is in touching him, no doubt people are going to knock each other out of the way. And they're, well, preacher Darren, he's God. You can't crush God. Listen, he's not trying to use his supernatural abilities to his own advantage. He gives a tactical direction and says, fellas, I want y'all to prepare a boat so that if they start stampeding and crushing and thronging me, I can just get on the boat and just go out a little bit and I can preach to them from the seashore. Jesus knows what he's doing. I thought about that. Maybe I spoke, I feel like I was supposed to say this. Maybe you're watching, preacher, and you feel like, man, the, the crowd's against me. Nobody loves me, appreciates me anymore. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord said, you go ahead and prepare a boat, and he'll get in it with you, and he, you and him will go preaching. You and him will go fishing, amen? I'm telling you, you don't have to have a synagogue. You don't have to have a church. I used to go preach on the street, amen? I've been run off the street corner of a Hendersonville uh, many a time. I preached in the Walmart parking lot. I'm telling you, I've been run off in many places. Honey, you don't have to have a pulpit to preach. You just need to get with Jesus, honey, and you and him go out and preach the gospel. Share the word of God, amen. The crowds, listen, they're not necessarily gathering all for the right reasons. They're not coming to be saved. They're coming to be physically healed. Now, Jesus didn't come just for physical healing. This is not a miracle physical healing business he's in. No, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to redeem the soul. Not just restore the body. Thank God for that, amen. Our bodies, listen, if he heals you, Brother David Hyde told me one time he had cancer and the Lord took it from him and I got up, I was getting ready to introduce him to speak and I said, he's a walking, talking miracle. He got up and he said, son, I'll have you to know I am a walking, talking miracle not because I've been healed of cancer but because I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, if cancer don't get me, thank God it's gone for now, but a car accident or a heart attack or, or something else will. 
He said, but my soul cannot be touched other than by the Lord Jesus. I want to shout. I want to run. I want to jump. Amen. Thank God for the salvation we have through Jesus Christ. These people, verse 10, look at their desire. Look at their desire. For he had healed many. Of course, when one was healed, they would tell others, and when they heard of him, what great things he did, more people desired to come. He healed many insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. Now, Jesus saw this crowd. He saw their pain. He saw their suffering. He uh, healed them as an expression of the love of God. He healed them out of compassion. He healed them out of mercy. And the crowds, they heard the power that Jesus possessed and they're coming by the droves to touch him. Just imagine the crowd of people that are pressing forward to touch the Lord Jesus Christ. They're, they're convinced. Now, they're determined that they're going to get to Jesus if at all possible. Now, just imagine, I thought about this. We've had a plague in our land called COVID for a number of years. And for a while there, it was really bad and went away and then it come back. And, went, and just depending on what region you're living in. Now, imagine that everybody, if Jesus was here and everybody could touch him, would be healed of COVID. What do you think would happen? They'd be coming from Israel. They'd be coming from Egypt. They'd be coming from Russia. They'd be coming from Ukraine. They'd be coming from China. They'd be coming from Japan. They'd be coming from India. They'd be coming from Mexico. They'd be coming from South America and Africa. And they'd be coming from Australia and Canada. And honey, they'd be coming from California and New York. They'd be coming from downtown Asheville to come lay hands on Jesus that he might heal them of COVID-19. But honey, Jesus can heal you of so much more than COVID-19. Honey, he can heal your soul and save you and forgive your sins and let you go to heaven. Thank God for it. Thirdly, and I'll be done, there is the preeminence of Jesus. Now look with me in verse 11. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried saying, Thou art the Son of God. Now his preeminence. Notice how these unclean spirits recognize who he is. So can you just imagine millions of millions of people are pressing, the Bible says, that they might touch him because they have plagues. And amongst this crowd, in so many millions of people, there are some that are possessed of devils. Now think about it with me. These unclean spirits no doubt have dominated the person in which they dwell, in which they, they possess. But when they get around, now a demon, he wants to hide. He likes to act out and show his authority over that person. But when he gets around spiritual things, he, if he can't overcome it, he'd like to hide so that a little later on he can still tear up the vessel that he lives in. So here these demons are, and as they're pressing towards Jesus, the Bible says that when they saw him, they fell down before him. They don't want to blow their cover. They don't want to be seen as evil and wretched. 
that they want to do their deadly work. But when Jesus showed up and they saw him, they went into a full-fledged panic. Oh, no! And they fell on their face in the vehicle, in the person they were in, and they began to cry out saying, Thou art the Son of God. They recognized they were no match for Jesus. Now, what is their response? Well, preacher there and I see it. They fell down before him. Jesus is not up proclaiming his deity. He's probably, I mean, we can't see that he's preaching. He's probably just standing there and people are coming to lay hands upon him. One by one by one. And without proclaiming his own deity, they acknowledged and confessed who he was and submitted to his authority. And here we are in the world in which we live. Good God-fearing people oftentimes fail to recognize who he is and to submit to his authority and to confess to him being the son of almighty God. Well, no wonder James chapter 2, you got to go there. No wonder, go there. These demons are openly confessing that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. James chapter 2, James chapter 2, verse 19. This ought to be underlined, highlighted in your Bible. It's a wonderful a proof text. James 2, 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Well, we see it. There's Jesus standing there, and when they see him, they fall down on their face and cry out, Thou art the Son of God. They believe and tremble. Well, preacher Darren, are they saved? No. They believe, but they won't repent. Amen? Do you believe? Oh, yes, preacher Darren, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Great. Have you repented of your sins? Have you confessed yourself a sinner? Have you called upon him who is the Savior? The devils also believe and they tremble. I mean even the supernatural demons tremble at the authority of the Son of God. I'm just amazed how the majority of this crowd that's gathering that day, they see Jesus as a healer, but they are not seeing him necessarily as Savior. Do you see that in our text? Go back with you. I'm almost done. Verse 12. I'm done right here. Verse 12. Look at, we've seen their recognition. We've seen their response. Look at the rebuke. Jesus, verse 12, and he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Jesus rebuked the spirits. I believe he sent those demons out of those people. I believe he commanded those demons to remain silent. Do not say another word. Do not say who I am. Now, think with me. The spirits knew that Jesus was the Christ, but they're not interested in being obedient to him and serving him and getting right with God. Jesus doesn't want them going out promoting the ministry because he doesn't want to be associated with devils. Jesus doesn't need a devil for an evangelist. Let me say this, if we that are sharing the gospel are not right with him, we are defeating and discrediting the message. 
Preacher, you ought to be right when you preach the word of God. You're discrediting the message if you're not. Billy Graham said that he got on an airplane to fly to a conference where he was going to be speaking. He sat beside a man that was a cussing and was a drinking. And he said, I wanted to minister to the man. I wanted to witness to the man and testify to him. And he said, I brought the gospels up to him. And he quickly just shot me down. And finally he said, sir, he said, maybe you don't know who I am. Have you ever heard of Billy Graham? I am Billy Graham. And I want to talk to you. He said, Billy Graham? Oh, yes, I recognize you. I'm one of your disciples. You know what Billy said? He said, I thought within myself, please don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody you're one of my disciples because with your attitude and with your persona and with the way you're identifying yourself, you're going to ruin my ministry. Jesus doesn't need devils to be an evangelist. Jesus needs we preachers, we Christians to be what he called us to be. Amen. Jesus does not need to be promoted from the filthy realms of Satan, though they know who he is. This is a crucial proof that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he's got power, he can heal physical illnesses, he's got power over the natural world, and he can cast out demons, he's got power over the supernatural world. If he's the Son of God, then he has power over creation, both material and immaterial. If he's the Son of God, he has power over physical and spiritual domains. If he's the Son of God, he has power over Satan and demons. And guess what? He did. He did. And may I say he does. I wanted to entitle the message like this. I wanted to say what great things not he did, but what great things he does. Amen. He still, according to God, y'all got to shout for me. Woo! He's still doing great things, church. Amen. Amen. May I say this in conclusion? Jesus was well known on earth because they're coming to him by the millions and the multitudes and he's still well known on earth. Jesus was well known in heaven. God the Father knew who he was. That's his son. Amen. He's God, the God-man. He's well known by hell. The demons recognized him. So I want to ask you a question. On earth, I may not be well known, and I really don't care. And the most important thing I want to identify with is I want to be well known in heaven. Are you, I'm asking you a question. I want you to go home and think about it. Am I, are you, well known in heaven? Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Does God the Father know who and Jesus know who you are? Are you making intercession? Are you praying every day and saying, when you say Father, he says, yes, daughter, yes, son. You are well known in heaven. Amen. And if you're praying like that, you'll be well known in hell too. Hell will go on red alert when you get up in the morning and get on your knees and start praying. Am I well known in heaven? Now, the crowds desire to spend quality time with Jesus. I want to challenge you to spend time worshiping Jesus. 
praising him. Amen. Praising him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, preacher Darren, I don't have anything to praise him for. Come here, I want to talk to you. Are you saved? He saved your soul. He forgave your sins. He dwells within you. He's promised you one day you're going to be with him in heaven, honey. He's done great things well just for me and just for you. And honey, I would have rocked this pulpit back and forth. I've got something to praise him for. Amen. We ought to spend some time worshiping him, praising him, and thanking him. Thank God for tonight. For the great things he does. May I say this tonight? What a Savior. What a Savior. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight. What great things he does. I may change the title of the message. <laughs> what great things he does. Well, preachers, know what the Bible says. He says he did. Yeah, but he's still doing them. I get my Bible out, I'll preach another air. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you, God, for all the great things that you do for us. Father, how you keep us, how you send us mercy and grace, how you work out the infinite details of our lives. God, how you've saved not only us, but you've saved our family. you saved our friends. Lord, you've saved some of my enemies. Woo! What a God. Lord, now I pray that you'd be popular with Darren Waldrop. And I pray you'd be preeminent with Darren Waldrop. Lord, I want you to have first place in this church at Bethel. Lord, I want you to show your power. And I want you, Father, to show off your glory before us, Lord. And God, I don't want to be hard-hearted, rebellious. I don't want to be stiff-necked. I don't want to be in your way. God, I'm asking you, Lord, let loose your power and help us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, we give you glory, thanks, and praise. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.